Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Sunday, where we take you inside the culture of Vox Church. Once again, if you guys have any questions that you want to hear on the air or have any questions for any of our guests that we have, you can email us at beyondsunday at voxchurch.org. Today, I'm super excited. We have Justin Kendrick, our lead pastor of Vox Church. Welcome back, buddy. It's always fun. It's always good to have you. And Always fun. I just want to dive right in. You recently went to on a mission mission trip, which yep. you talked about in your last sermon, and yep. you had a couple crazy stories about your mission mission trip. But before we get into those stories, I want yep. to what was the background for this mission trip in particular? How, yeah. What made you want to go there? Wow, that's a big question, actually. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. So for this one, uh, I have known uh, Jerry Wilson, who is a pastor and leader. Um, for uh, 25 years, he actually was instrumental in my dad coming to faith and then wow. uh, started the church that I met Jesus in. And so Jerry has been a longtime friend, has been asking me to go to Haiti uh, with him. They do this large crusade there. Uh, and uh, there's a great church there, larger church right in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And so probably for the last five or six years, they've been saying, hey, you got to come to Haiti. You got to come to Haiti. And for me, I was just looking for the right time, right opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really wanted to take my son, who's 13, my oldest son, out of the country, give him a totally uh, different life experience, and then also really kind of have like a little bit of a coming of age ceremony for him where he transitioned from boy to young man. And so I thought, where better to do it than in a completely different context in a third world country uh, away with his father for seven days? And so uh, (laughs) it was awesome. So that that was the backstory is this opportunity came up. We were actually supposed to go last year. And the nation of Haiti closed to any visitors when we were supposed to go wow. because of uh, some civil unrest. And so we weren't able to go. So we ended up going this year. So you ended up going after that. It's just about one year yeah. later. Yeah. And, you know, tell us a little bit about what Haiti was like. The yeah. country itself, yeah. you know, I know there was a little bit of a civil war going on and yeah. I know there was a bunch of turmoil. Yep. So what was it like going into a, you know, a state of union like that that was just so yeah. uneasy and unrest? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's a beautiful country. You know, the people are beautiful. Um, the culture is beautiful. It's an amazing place. Uh, the geography is incredible. Yeah. You know, and so so there's it's a real sacred place in many ways. Uh, it's also been, you know, in a place of intense civil unrest for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And so right now, I don't even pretend to know the politics of the of the country, but um, but I do know that there is is massive civil war going on, uh, a real fight for the president to resign and uh, different, you know, groups trying to overthrow the government. Mm -hmm. And so it was in a moment of calm when we decided to leave. But when we got there, I think the day we got there, the police department in Port-au-Prince went on strike. And so things just went <laughs> Go figure. nuts Go figure. from yeah. day one. So, uh, yeah, so we landed in a very hostile environment, you know, like from literally getting off the plane, the people that were with us were like, hey, hold on to your bag and hold on to your son because both might be uh, ripped out of your hands <sighs> from the minute you get out of the airport. Jeez. And uh, they were, that was actually, you know, um, kind of what we walked into. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you, did you have any fear? I mean, I, I know yeah. we talked a little bit off air about your experience and, yeah. and a couple of different things that happened to you when you were there. But when yeah. you're walking off the plane and you hear that, it's like, hold on to your son, hold on to your bag. You're obviously like, let me grab my bags. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I just got some kidding. nice clothes yeah. in here. You know, the kid will be fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it, what's going through your mind, especially you know, being, you know, you're a pastor, you're going yeah. there for a specific reason. You know, yeah, you know, I really think that, uh, and this is a bigger topic, but um, I think that there's a time in every 
young man's life where he has to do something dangerous. I think that, um, you know, we live in this world where it's like every kid needs, you know, uh, elbow pads and a helmet mm-hmm. and, and never, ever, ever, ever is unsafe, yeah. you know? And I'm not talking about being reckless or being foolish, but something inside of a young man never grows if he's never tested mm-hmm. and if he never risks. And so we actually took this trip so that my son would be in an environment that was outside of his norm, outside mm-hmm. of, you know, beautiful America and a bit dangerous. Now, again, I didn't want to be reckless or foolish, but I knew what I was getting into. And we knew that this trip would be a time where we would have moments where yeah. it was dangerous. And I mean, you think back in your own life, man, if you play it safe your whole life, you're never tested. You never know who you really are and you never know what you really believe. Mm-hmm. But when you're in an environment where it's not so padded, uh, you start to figure out what life is really about. And so, um, yeah, so we, we went with that understanding, mm-hmm. you know, we get there, uh, things kind of, kind of crazy, you know, yeah. now the ministry was awesome. So we did a pastor's conference, got to preach every day to a group of pastors, about 800 pastors and, uh, and leaders. And so that was amazing. Went to go, uh, I got to go with also with Tim, our new Haven campus pastor, and mm-hmm. he did a great job, preached at the crusade, preached at the pastor's conference. Uh, but then just a ton of time with my son, and uh, everywhere I went, he went. And, um, and so we got to see a lot of people meet Jesus, really encourage the church there, which mm-hmm. is strong. I mean, they're a brave, courageous church. But the political unrest really was underscoring everything we did. Yeah. And so um, there was one day where we're on this compound, and it's a safe compound. I mean, yeah. there's you yep. know barbed wire and armed guards. But, <laughs> as safe as but, it can be. Yeah, but yeah. it's pretty intense there. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we're playing basketball, me and Gabriel, and uh, just a little bit of time between sessions. And gunfire just breaks out like maybe hundred yards from us, people shooting and screaming and, and everybody starts running and, and, uh, they're like, get inside, get inside, you know? And so that was something he hadn't really experienced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, not many of us have, I then, mean, that's, yeah. that's, and then travel was nuts because, yeah. um, there were a lot of carjackings going on. Anytime we were traveling, we were at risk. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one time our, our vehicle got surrounded by guys, they're banging on our windows. Um, you know, we just didn't know what's up? Are we going to live through this? Are we going to not live through this? You know? And so there were some intense moments of like, Hey, you are traveling to go preach the gospel, but, um, but you're in the middle of a pretty hostile environment. And so, um, it's, you know, it's literally like scenes out of a movie. It you was, can't make it this stuff was. up. I mean, sitting here telling me it's, it's like, man, not one, not two, not three. I mean, but all these yeah. things happen to you yeah. in just one week's period. Well, I mean, there was one point where we're in, we're in a pickup truck our, our cars got four or five guys around it. They're banging on our windows. They're looking for money, but these environments spiral quickly where mm-hmm. it becomes just like a, a time where you're getting robbed or, you know, a time where, you know, there's a carjacking. And so they see that there's a 13 year old little white kid in this back in the, obviously not from Haiti yeah. uh, in this uh, back seat. And so they're, they're calling people over, they're banging on the window. So I'm looking at Gabe, I'm like, put your hoodie on, you know? And yeah. so he's got his hoodie over his head. You know, he's kind of basically hiding in the back seat as these guys are scoping out you know, who's in the car. And, um, and it was intense. It was like, it was getting to that point, that boiling point yeah. when the traffic cleared and we drove away. Yeah. And so it was like, it was right there. Like, wow, what is going to happen here? Yeah. And we just so, want to let everyone know that missions trips aren't all like this. I mean, <laughs> if you're signing up for a mission trip, it's not like you're going, putting your life in danger. You know, it, there are opportunities where you can go and, you know, the church offers yeah. a couple opportunities like that. We you want to you, you expand a little, uh, it's not all yeah, yeah. violence and <laughs> No, I mean, and again, we knew what we were getting into. I mean, this is a place where, you know, Christians to stand for Christ, 
uh, it's, it's a hostile environment. It yeah. is. And so, you know, uh, but no, we have lots of other great missions trips that, mm-hmm. you know, we go and do well, relief work and, uh, you know, uh, we do all kinds of things throughout the year where, um, it is, it is safe. But the truth is, I mean, let's be real about life. Life isn't safe life. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can trip and fall and smack your head and die today. And again, mm-hmm. you're like, well, that's pretty morbid. No, yeah. it's a realist, you know, this world isn't safe. So if you want to live safe, then you don't live. And so if you want to live true, then you figure out what do I really believe in mm-hmm. and you live for that. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, um, it's not the first time my life has felt like it's been at risk for the gospel. Uh, but it's the first time in a little while. Yeah. And it was certainly the first time my son ever experienced anything like this. And I was so proud of him. He was brave. Mm-hmm. He was courageous. He didn't waver. Yeah. And, uh, and we were able to laugh through some of the intense moments yeah. and, uh, I don't think he'll ever be the same. Yeah, that's, you know? that's absolutely incredible to hear. Just lastly about Haiti, yeah. what was one thing that you took away from your overall trip? Not the yeah. danger, not yeah, yeah. maybe, but what was one thing that you took away as, let's just say, a pastor? Yeah. You know, what was the most impactful moment during that time? I was so impressed by the church in Haiti. Mm-hmm. The people of God in Haiti, wow. I mean, we had 10, 15,000 people walk to a crusade. When public transportation was shut down, when the city was on high alert, Mm -hmm. when violence was in the streets, they still came and they worshiped Jesus for hours. So looking out on that crowd, it was like, wow, you know, how many Americans would have made that walk? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, how many American Christians would have made that walk? I don't know. And so I just I was so impressed by the the uh, the endurance, the perseverance of uh, the Haitian Christians that we were able to work with. Um, so, yeah, it was just like, man, so much to learn from my brothers. Also, just the, you know, anytime you step out of the American context, you realize how privileged we are, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, we get to our room, and there's a lizard crawling up my wall, and the other pastor I was with, he's like, he's like, yeah, I had a lizard in my pants when <laughs> oh, I put him on the other man. day. You know, the other guy I'm with, he's like, yeah, tarantula ran out from under my bed. You, can't make you know, it it's up. like, yeah, so we're living in this room where it's like, spiders, tarantulas, lizards, the power shuts off at night because mm-hmm. the government doesn't provide electricity all, all 24 hours of the day. Yeah. So you're in the pitch black with lizards and spiders, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just like, <laughs> just the little things of life that like, so we you don't really even want to turn the lights on. Nah, it's, it's like, like just, just whatever well just, it is, that's right. whatever it is, could be a shoelace, could be, you know, <laughs> who, knows? A who knows? That's, yeah, that's so, wild. Yeah. So that was good too, you know? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I guess it's good for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> if you can sleep through that, you know, <laughs> you could get through anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to switch gears a little bit, <laughs> yes. um, you know, it's, it's really impactful to hear about your trip and hear about the missions and, and the work that, you know, you're doing along with the church and, and all that. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit. I had a conversation with someone a little while ago about true love and the God and God's yeah. love that he has for us yeah. and not to completely switch gears. But no, good. the question that he posed to me was, you know, do you have a true relationship with God? And mm-hmm. my first answer was, yeah, you know, yeah, I have a true relationship with God. And then he asked a follow up question, which really kind of threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. He goes, if you were to envision that your daughter was hanging on the cross, yep what would your reaction be? And I, I didn't know how to answer. I literally sat there and I was thinking I would be, I would be beside myself. I would be devastated. I would be crushed. I wouldn't know what to do. And then his response to that was, this is the love that Jesus has for us. This is the love that he gives. Do you have that same kind of love? Cause I've been going through, you know, a change in life and I've really tried to dive in and, and, you know, have my relationship with God 
go even deeper. And yeah. these are the questions that I, that I start to think about. Yep. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? Put yourself in God's shoes and oh, think yeah. about what if my son was on the cross? Yeah. I think that that's one of the biggest misunderstandings about, uh, God himself. So first of all, God is triune father, son, and spirit. So though three persons, he's one essence. And so the father sending the son wasn't a cop out for the father. It was harder for the father who is self-giving love to send his one and only son than it would have been for the father himself to hang on the cross. Yeah. Just as, as the little, little illustration we can use is, you know, I would gladly die to protect my son mm -hmm. in Haiti than to see my son taken and killed. Yeah. And so, you know, any parent can resonate with that. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, I don't even think about the fact that I'd give my life because it's my kid. Yeah. How much more so would it be difficult to see my child die? Yeah. And so, you know, I think this is the most radical expression of love, not just that Christ Jesus, the eternal son mm -hmm. volunteered, but that the father allowed him to go, mm -hmm. which was far harder than actually making the choice himself. But I think the other side of it, I know years ago uh, I read a, a, an exhaustive work by Jonathan Edwards about um, what Christian maturity is. Mm -hmm. And after a lot of discussion, he gets down to this idea where he says that Christian maturity in its essence is the outworking of agape love, God's love in our lives, mm -hmm. period. And that is for me maybe the most challenging thought I have ever had. That Christian maturity is not how many Bible verses you know mm -hmm. or how long you've been to church or how much money you give. Christian maturity, and this is the essence of 1 Corinthians 13, is how well do you love? How well do you love God and mm -hmm. how well do you love others? And that's the measuring stick yeah. for your true maturity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wow, you could build a big ministry or have a successful life or a happy family, but not really love God yourself yeah. in a way that is sacrificial and in a way that reflects that agape and, love. And that brings up a good point. As I was in this conversation, it kind of went back to the start. And he goes, listen, mm -hmm. when you were in the dating phase of life, yeah. what were you doing when you started dating your wife? Well, it wasn't just, hey, I, you know, I text her once a day yeah. and I hope that, you know, I get a response and, and wait for the next day. Right. It's like, no, when you're dating, yep. you're constantly in contact with that person. Right. You're constantly, you, all you want to do is hang out with that person. Right. You want to talk with that person. And you he goes, is that, person, yeah. is that your relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Are you taking that road yeah. with God? And yeah. I was like, oh man, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, when you think about it that way, it really kind of kicks you in the head. You know, our, every decision we make, is that how we're thinking about life? Yeah. Yeah. And you go back to like, you know, that old song that when I was like in youth group, first becoming a Christian, that people sang Jesus lover of my soul. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> it's an oldie. Yep. Is he the lover of my soul? Mm -hmm. You know, is God, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> is God the lover of my soul? Yeah. It's a big question. It, it, it honestly is, yeah. you know, and as I go through my walk and as I go through my journey, there's points where you're like, man, that's not necessarily how I pictured my relationship. You know, yeah. it's not, it's, it's not that constant going forward, going forward, going forward. Has there ever been a time where you feel like you've kind of backslid a little bit, you know, in your walk? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think is there a time where I feel like my love has grown cold? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there a time where I feel like I've walked away? Honestly, no. Um, since I met Jesus as a teenage kid, I don't feel like I've ever walked away. I feel like he stunned me with his love to such a degree that, um, that my life belongs to Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
but do I feel like there have been times where my love has grown cold? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And I think that that's true of any relationship. You know, I mean, I've been married now almost 16 years and that relationship has seasons. It has phases. It's not always the same. And, yeah. and it's true with God too. You know, there is like puppy love, young love with God, and then there's mature love. But the truth is that the, that the fire in your heart, just like in your marriage should, if cultivated strategically mm -hmm. increase, not decrease. Yeah. And, and although it looks different, um, the young, exciting firsts are different, you know, um, when you've been married 16 years, it's not like, well, we've never had dinner together. It's like, well, no, we, we have a yeah. lot of times and that's not new. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know honestly, uh, my love for my wife is genuinely deeper and richer and greater. And so also my love for God really is deeper, richer, greater. But, um, but that takes a lot of intentionality and hard work mm -hmm. or your love will naturally peter out. Yeah. It'll naturally grow cold. And so keeping your love hot for God, mm -hmm. uh, I think is gotta be the number one priority of life. I think about it like this. If there is a God, and this is, this is sobering. If there is a God that can truly be known, think about this for your life, right? Just like turn off all the ministry and blah, blah, blah. And you know, if there's a God that can truly be known, would that not be the most important thing in the world? Yeah. And if there's not, if there is no God, if all that we believe is a myth, if it's all fake, if it's not real, then life is meaningless. Mm -hmm. At its core, nothing means anything because you're just going to die and become dirt. Yeah. But if it does, it's the biggest wager on, in life. If it is true, then nothing is more important. Wow. And are you willing to, to live like that? And too many of us live in the in-between. We either live, you know, few people live with the reality that there is no God, therefore life is meaningless and mm -hmm. I am hopeless. Few people go that far. Yeah. But then few people also go to the extent that says there really is a God mm -hmm. and I'm going to let that change everything. It's going to rearrange everything. I'm not going to cling to my money or my pleasures or my comforts or my plan because there really is a God and that changes everything. I'm going to live forever. Yeah. That changes everything. It should mess up every part of my life. And if it hasn't, then I don't really believe it. No. You know? So going right back, I mean, that's, trust me, that's powerful. And, but for some of our listeners, what we want to know is what are some ways that you cultivate that relationship? You know, believing what we believe. Yep. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably, you know, have some sort of idea about Christianity and yep. you have, you know, you're walking in your faith, but what are some ways that we can help cultivate mm -hmm. our relationship with God so we can develop that that deep down desire and passion yeah. for him. I mean, what are some things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. You know, I think I'm talking about this a little bit in my sermon, but, um, Oh, am I giving anything away? It's okay. <laughs> nah, it's all good. We all got to hear it again yeah. and again and again, and again. I do too. Um, I think one of the big mistakes that we make is I love the story of Jacob. I'll talk about it in my sermon, but the story of Jacob where it says that after all the craziness of his life, finally he's left alone with God and mm -hmm. he has to wrestle with God. And I think that this is a moment that for whatever reason, a lot of Christians avoid in life. Um, what I mean by that is like, why do I come to church? Well, I, I really love my friends or I love the feeling I get when we sing mm -hmm. or the messages are helpful for my life yeah. or, you know, uh, it's good for my kids, all these things. Not that any of those are necessarily totally wrong, but at the end of the day, how do you feel when you are utterly and completely alone with God? How do you feel when all the glamour and lights and music and everything else is gone yeah. and it's just you and God? Do you feel like you've got about 90 seconds of, of prayers and then you're out? Mm -hmm. And if you do, that's evidence of a shallow relationship. 
you know, if you can't stand alone with God, then you haven't really faced the most important conversation of life, which is you and God by yourself. Because the day is going to come where Kurt Garceau mm-hmm. and Justin Kendrick and all the people here that are filming and everything else die. Yeah. And when you die, you don't stand there with your wife. You don't stand there with your mom. You stand there utterly and completely alone. Jeez. Oh, and so in standing there completely alone, is that an uncomfortable position? Just me and God in the room. And so the point what I'm trying to make is how do you cultivate love? You get used to that scenario now. You make time to be utterly and completely alone and you wrestle. Mm-hmm. You ask the hard questions. You talk through that you study. You seek him. You explore who he really is. And if he's not really there, then all of this is a waste. But if he really is there, then this is the most important thing in the world. So I think the first thing you do If you say, how do I grow my love for God? You've got to be willing to be alone. And truthfully, you know, in our culture, in our context, we avoid this like the bubonic plague. (laughs) I mean, we turn the podcast on, we turn the music on. As Mm -hmm. soon as we get in the car, I can't have 90 seconds of what people call white space, just clear space where I'm just not interrupted. And so um, the soul who finds God must be willing to be utterly alone, not for five minutes a day, Mm -hmm. for more than that. And um, I do think that's where it starts. Um, Well, don't don't turn this podcast off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but alone. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. That's it. That's after it. you listen to yeah, this podcast. Get listen. alone. Yeah, yeah. So being alone, you know, some of the practices that yep. you know we have praying, we have reading the Bible, yep. we have things like that. But what are some things that you do that that gives you that ultimate connection with God? Yep. Is there one thing that kind of supersedes in your life? Like, hey, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with God today. This is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. or is it just kind of all the above for you? Yeah, I think the number one, number one. Number one, we've talked about it before, but it's just so critical. You've got to go back to it. The number one thing when it comes to being alone with God is expectation. You know, let it be done according to your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that means is if you come to God expecting that he will not speak, will not move, will not visit you, mm-hmm. then you're right. He probably won't because God's power runs on the power lines of faith. Yeah. You shut down those power lines, you cut those power lines, and you stop experiencing him. So you have to come with expectation. Well, how do you build expectation? You build expectation through his word. If his word is true, then he can be found. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so if you come to God with a full heart, with all your heart, you can come with expectation that he's actually going to talk to you. He's mm-hmm. going to, not because the pastor's talking, not because some spiritual person prayed for you, just because you and God are alone. Yeah. And so meeting with God begins with a profound expectation based on his promise. And so you say, okay, you said this, I'm going to believe this. So now I expect you to respond when I show up. And so, you know, the beauty of meeting with God is that, you know, uh, he's not a machine. He's not a, a math problem. Yeah. And so sometimes he's going to be totally stark silent and leave you there by yourself asking questions with no answer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he's going to light you up with his truth through a dream or a vision or a word or a sign. Yeah. And your heart's going to be on fire. He's not going to do it the same way twice. He's not going to uh, do it the exact way he did it for your friend. Mm-hmm. Because God is a person. He's not a math problem. And so God is going to meet you in a distinct, unique, creative way. I love the picture C.S. Lewis gives in the Chronicles of Narnia where it says, you know, Aslan never uh, comes and rescues the same way twice. He does it different every time. And so it is with our relationship with God. you got to go expecting that he's going to meet you, 
but also expecting that he's going to do it in a different way, a yeah. unique way. And so meeting with God uh, is mysterious, but this is how you build the chronicles of your story, mm-hmm. the, the, the mysterious journey of personal relationship with God that is real with you and him and only you and him. Yeah. And uh, until you build that, your relationship is just a bunch of propped up Christian principles. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I'm your last sermon uh, in the Colossus series that we just listened to, you know, you had a couple of crazy, crazy points mm-hmm. and going back into some of the books that I'm reading now, I think I just, uh, I just finished father by God. And mm-hmm. one of the re- ways that he talks about how God shows his true love to us is yeah. through creation and through nature. Yeah. And what he says is, you know, we just don't stop and look and yeah. see the way that God loves us because we're so busy and our lives are so chaotic. And that right there was one of the most impactful things that I could have, I could have, you know, because how often do you sit out here and just stare at the trees or stare? I mean, you a little, maybe a little bit more than us, but you know, I, I feel like life is so busy. I never stop and just look at the landscape and see what's going on. But that's God. That's God's love. Well, the old, uh, the old desert fathers. So, you know, historically through the years of of Christianity, there were those that were, were called the desert fathers, which were individuals who spent years, sometimes decades alone with God in the desert, seeking him, trying to discern who he is and know his heart. They would talk about what they called thin places, which was places where it felt like the distance between heaven and earth was less, you know, those thin places. And, you know, all that, that sounds mystical and strange. Uh, the truth is we all know it. We all know it. You're walking through the woods and the sun breaks through the trees and all of a sudden you get this sense. What is that? That's a thin place. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's one of those places where you kind of touch God. And, and I know for me, um, the scripture says all of creation speaks his glory, right? Yeah. And so, you know, at least once a week, I, I, I really try to, um, I get to the beach. I have a spot, a couple spots I go and I just watch the sun come up and watch the birds and, uh, pause and listen and it's in that context of nature in one of those thin places that God so often becomes uh near yeah and so yeah you've got to you've got to learn that um not all places are created equal Mm -hmm. not all moments are created equal yeah well I mean that was very impactful and I totally appreciate it. We're going to jump into our mailbag, trying to lighten things up a little bit. We got yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know, a couple minutes left into so, the love of God. Yeah, and into now, the, and now, now the mailbag. Now the mailbag. I mean, I, all these people email us. I want to make sure I yeah, get yeah. some questions. In. Yes. So the first question is, you know, very easy. Yes. What is, it says, I think it's from, yep. Catherine. Catherine wants to know, yeah. What is your favorite movie? Oh boy. I know. See, I so lighten things up. You know, we favorite were so deep for a little while. Movie. Favorite yeah. movie. Uh, miracle. No, just kidding. Oh, that's I my knew, favorite. I, knew, <laughs> I, knew, I, knew that I was going to say, yes, that's my favorite movie. Yeah. I knew the hockey player. Would yeah. Like that movie. yeah. No, that is a good movie. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't you know. You can't pick 12 either. Cause you have a tendency to do I this. Know, you man. Know? I don't have it's a favorite one movie. question. You have to answer with one answer. Yeah. I mean, I think time of life for me, uh, I know it's cheesy because it's like the of life. Well, no, 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 I'm about to tell you that okay. it's kind of cheesy because it was like the movie everybody talked about. But for me, as like a young man, mm-hmm. when Braveheart came out, it blew me away. <sighs> it okay. blew me away. Right. But I was like 17 and that was just a different time. And I don't know. It was one of those movies that spoke to me at the time. I know it's like the cheesy movie that mm-hmm. everybody quotes or whatever, but but it was a big deal for me at the time. Um, I don't really have a favorite movie, though. Braveheart's good. We'll go yeah, with Braveheart. Yeah, I, I, I really can't commit to that. And William Wallace. Yeah, yeah, right. I am Not Mollusk. I think it was Wallace. <laughs> Not Mollusk. <laughs> I think Mollusk. it's a microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I appreciate it. I have a whole bunch of other questions. I think we're going to yeah. save them for, for right. next time. But That's good. I appreciate you coming yes. back out today. And uh, guys, once again, if you have any questions for Justin or any of our other guests, please email beyondsunday at voxchurch.org. We'll see you next time.